Um, many of you know me from the Downside Up project, as uh, Francis mentioned. Um, and if you've been around the sanctuary for any length of time, uh, you've probably figured out that when I show up up here, uh, two things are about to happen. One is we're about ready to watch a film. And the second thing is, is I'm about ready to ask you for money. Well, only one of those things is going to happen this morning, and I'm not asking for money, so. Um, we are gonna watch a film today, and um, I just wanna give a fair warning. Uh, the film is intense. It's, it deals with some mature themes of uh, child abuse. So if you, if you might have a, uh, a trigger for that, I just wanna uh, give you a warning about that. Um, the other thing is, uh, who, who in here has seen uh, the King's Speech? Anybody seen that movie? Yeah? A great movie, yeah. Um, I'm like uh, Bertie, okay? I have a, a speech thing. I, uh, I stutter sometimes, okay? I only mention it because I don't want you to feel uncomfortable, okay? Sometimes I get hung up on words. I'm not a big deal. I'm not like super nervous up here and about ready to melt down. So just want to put that out there. In the tradition of the New Testament church, I'm here today to offer you a testimony. The gospel of Jesus from my point of view. Now a few disclaimers. Um, I'm not a theologian. I've never been to seminary. I have an English degree, so I'm probably more qualified to quote Shakespeare than scripture. I'm a writer, and my preferred medium is film. Some might call me a philosopher, but really I'm a storyteller. In other words, I'm a creator of imaginary people and events. So I believe that gives me unique authorization to be able to argue with God. There have been a number of things that have happened in my life and in the lives of those around me, and I look at God and say, you know, I can think of a lot better ways to tell this story than what you're doing right now. You see, I believe that the events of my life and yours, all of our lives, are not just random chance, but there is meaning and purpose behind it. In other words, I think God is a storyteller too. I believe God is telling a story with all of this, with all creation. Jesus told stories a lot, so we know he knows how to tell stories. And Jesus seemed to really like to use a narrative device we call foreshadowing. He, he told his disciples over and over again that he was going to Jerusalem to die, and three days later he would rise from the dead. He told them what, what was going to happen. He was foreshadowing. So when I read our scripture for today, Romans 8, 38, and 39, as a writer, I see the foreshadowing. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's telling us how the story is going to end. So in this case, I say to God, I'm well done. I mean, this, is, this is a good ending. 
Especially because, you know, the next obvious question here is, well, what is the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? And he told us what that is too. In 1 Corinthians 13, four through eight, love is patient and kind, we, we all know this. Love does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way, is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never ends. Wow. So if the ending of the story is that we get to experience a love like that, well, that is a good ending indeed. But it must be just foreshadowing. Because you look around right now and we don't see that, do we? We look around and it seems like all we see is darkness and and evil. We see trauma, loss, fear, depression, abuse, neglect, addiction, brokenness, disease, injury. We see death. Sure seems like there's a lot that separates us from that love of Christ Jesus. It's this entire world that we're born into. And none of us has the power to rise above it, no matter how hard we try, and we do try, but it's just too deep. Our situation is too dire. So it's at this point that I say to God, the story is getting pretty bleak here. I, I I hope you know how you're going to get us out of this and into that happy ending that you described. And you can't cheat either, God, okay? No brainwashing or amnesia or just waking up when it was all a bad dream. That's how we writers cheat, you know. So I say, you know, you, you, you can't cheat here, God. Like the flood, borderline cheating, okay? I mean, you, you can't do that. And God answers, just watch. I'll do it myself. He, that's what he told the Hebrews, or the Israelites. In fact, we, we just read a psalm about that today. Could you, could you pull that up, Michaela? Psalm 91 here. This, a, a lot of people consider this a the messianic psalm. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Go ahead and go to the next slide. On their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. In fact, this is the part that Satan quoted to Jesus in his temptation in the wilderness. Even and Satan caught on. I, I see the, the foreshadowing here. And so the Israelites started looking for him. And lo and behold, he shows up. He's born into this world. He demonstrates his power numerous times by turning water into wine, feeding thousands of people, healing the sick, raising the dead. Now, if I would have been alive back then, I would have been thinking, okay, here we go. This is, this is going to be good. But then he's betrayed by one of those closest to him. And I would have said, oh, all right, all right. The plot thickens. Okay, that's, that's all right. 
but then he's drugged before the political powers that be and doesn't say a word. Then he's tortured, stripped naked, and ends up being nailed to a cross, like that one, where he dies, all the while claiming that that, that, this was the plan. Not how I would have told that story. My version would have looked a little more like Batman. I think the Jews at the time were expecting something a little more like Batman too. So what happened? What, what happened to the story? Well, what God did there is he threw in what we writers call a major plot twist. A plot twist is a radical change in the expected direction or outcome of the plot. The cross was a radical plot twist. A plot twist that altered the story. God introduced a new theme with the cross. And I think it's called redemption. Why? Why why would he do that? It would have been so much more fulfilling in some ways to be Batman. Why would he do that? Well, maybe. Just maybe, God knows something about telling stories that I don't. Well, with this new theme of redemption, the story looks a lot different. Inherent in redemption is the concept of change. Change from something not good to something good. So, therefore, at some point in the story, things are going to look pretty bleak because they haven't been redeemed yet, obviously. So maybe at times, love looks powerless. Maybe love hangs lifeless and bloody, nailed to a cross. Maybe, Maybe Leonard Cohen and Jeff Buckley knew a little something about that when they wrote the lyrics to Hallelujah. A senior flag on the marble arch, love is not a victory march, it's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. It's not a cry you can hear at night, it's not someone who's seen the light, it's a cold and a broken hallelujah. Well, about a year ago, I thought, okay, well, what if I were to tell a story using this theme of redemption, what might it look like? And well, it, it looks like this. Who's afraid of the big bad wolf? The big bad wolf, the big bad wolf. Who's afraid of the big bad wolf? The big bad wolf, the big bad wolf. Have you ever seen a real wolf? I have. And then everything was different. 
Mommy said wolves are like dogs, but more bigger and more bad, with big teeth, but not as big as dinosaur teeth. Dinosaur's teeth are the biggest. That's what Mommy says. Mommy said if I see a real wolf, I should go as well as I can with my big boy voice. Have you ever seen a real wolf? Don't leave him alone. I tried to yell really loud with my big boy voice, but mommy didn't come. Wendy said I'm special when I have a special secret. If I ever told anyone my secret, he said the police will come and take away my mommy. But I didn't tell, I never told. Then they took me away. Dispatch, we got a kid here. Maybe I was bad. Santa didn't come last year because I wasn't a good boy. Because bad boys don't get nothing for Christmas. That's what mommy says. Christmas time is 28 days away. I know, I counted. That's a long time. Maybe I could be a good boy this year. Bad boys get what bad boys get. That's what Winnie says when he gives me punishments. The policeman said that mommy did some very bad things. That's why they had to take her away. She had to get a punishment. The policeman says, I don't have to get a punishment. He says, Mr. Jennifer is going to talk to me and play toys with me. He says she wants to help me. But Lainey doesn't like policemen. He said they're pigs. You can't touch the pig, Mommy says. Please. I understand, but we only have an hour with the patients. That's all we can give them at a time. Is that what I'm supposed to go tell him? 
just be Desmond. My name is Miss Jennifer. It's very nice to meet you. I have some toys in my office. You don't like toys, do you? Well, the thing is, I never have anyone to play with them. So, think you could help me out? Cool. Why don't you come with me and we can go get started, okay? came off of it so I can't go anywhere. I'm gonna be right back, okay? Hey, did you fix that truck? What do you say when we're all done here? You can have that big truck. What do you think? Okay, for now, we'll take it and we'll set it right up over here, okay? Come on, I'll show you. Is that the one you want? Let's see. The Boy Who Cried Wolf and Other Fables. I don't think you'll like this one very much. Let's try a different book, okay? Once upon a time, there was a boy who kept sheep not kept sheep not fall from the village. Wolf, wolf, wolf. Even though there was no wolf, the naughty little boy laughed and laughed and laughed. One day, a wolf did come into the field. He was afraid and he cried, wolf, wolf. But no one came to help him. No one came to help him. No one came to help him. How does that make you feel? Why didn't they come? Was it because he was bad? Do you think he was a bad boy?
I told you I was a bad boy, just like Mommy said. And bad boys get what bad boys get. said daddy wolves are the biggest. Sometimes the daddy wolves eat the little wolves. If they don't eat all their dinner and go big enough. Mommy says daddy wolves are the loudest. Sometimes that's all I can hear. I wonder if I sound like a wolf. Still 28 days until Christmas. And I think Santa's coming this year. Mommy said he probably wasn't. Desmond. Desmond! You forgot this, silly. Don't worry about that. I bet you're sorry, huh? Yeah, you got quite the temper, you know? We'll work on that. I know that's not who you really are. I know that people have hurt you. And what they did was wrong, and I am really sorry about that. You're not a bad boy. In fact, do you want to know a secret? I think you are the best little boy I have ever met. I am really sorry no one came when you called but I hear you now. I can't wait until you can come back. I will see you soon, okay? Mommy said bad boys punishment. And when he said bad boys
boy born into a broken world, deceived by the powers of this world into thinking he deserves nothing but abuse, insults, and hatred, so much so that he begins to believe he is, in fact, unlovable. Well, that's, that's my story, and that's yours, too. A little boy, bent by the powers of darkness, lashes out in his pain and his brokenness, spewing evil and violence onto all those around him. That's, that's my story, and that's your story. Each of us born into evil, spreading it around as we go, one to another, isolating ourselves until we're alone in the darkness of our hearts. That's sin. But then, along comes someone who refuses to be another link in that chain of bondage to sin, someone who takes on anger and pain but refuses to give it back. Instead, she turns wrong into right, anger into compassion, lies into truth. Well, there's Jesus doing what Jesus does, redeeming turning darkness into light and death into life. Just like the story that he told with that plot twist of the cross. Once upon a time, God became human and was born into a broken world. Now these were brutal times. The heart of man was bent by evil and there in the darkness, the humans devised wicked and cruel means of punishment. Crucifixion was especially designed to be inhumane. It was murder that was slow and agonizing, inflicting the maximum amount of emotional distress and physical pain. It was the darkest, most evil thing that humans could come up with at the time. And that's right where Jesus goes. He allows himself that great evil, the worst thing that humans could devise. And there in the darkness, as he rises from the dead, he proves to us that even death cannot separate us from him. There is no place so evil that his goodness cannot redeem. Redemption is the plot twist I never would have dreamed up. In my story, there would have been a magic wand or a brainwashing or amnesia or just a bad dream. If I made that film the way I wanted to make it, Batman would have showed up in that crack house and kicked the crap out of that guy before he had a chance to lay a hand on that little boy. But Jesus doesn't really work that way, does he? For Jesus, the greatest possible good must not be for evil never to have existed. The greatest possible good must be goodness where evil once was. Why? I, I don't know exactly. Again, I didn't dream it up. He did. But I think, I, I think it might be because he knew that redemption allows for relationship. 
You see, not only does God know more about telling stories than I do, but I think he knows more about humanity than I do. I think he knows that at our core, we desire connection, relationship. And we're made in his image, so he must want that too. We want to be known as he wants to be known. The thing about magic wands is if you have one, well, no one wants you, they want your magic wand. Batman doesn't know the people of Gotham City and no one knows Batman. He's the enforcer. And no one gets close to the enforcer, especially when you're guilty and we're all guilty. But the Redeemer? Well, that's a different story. A much better story. Because of the plot twist of redemption, the cross takes on new significance. On that cross, the darkest place imaginable, Jesus breathes his last and he gives up his spirit. And it's his spirit that transcends space and time, writing himself into your story and mine. And what does he do? He heads straight for the darkest corner of our hearts. And there in the darkness, he takes our unique personal brokenness and redeems it until it becomes the beauty of our unique and personal restoration. A restoration that allows for a relationship with Jesus because now we know there is nothing so dark in our hearts that he cannot redeem. That is how the chief of sinners, Saul of Tarsus, who after meeting Jesus in the darkness of his heart, is blinded by the light, so much so that he has the vision to declare, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. A statement that gives hope and inspiration to you and me, 2,000 years later, because the plot twist no one saw coming is that redemption not only makes possible relationship with Jesus, our Redeemer, but also makes way for connection with each other. For now, that place of personal brokenness is so filled with Jesus, with his life and energy, that it becomes the very place of our most profound blessing to those around us. It's what makes it possible for the recovering alcoholic to reach out in compassion to the addict with just the right amount of stubborn insistence to leave that bottle alone. It's what makes it possible for a young woman to willingly suffer the noise of a tantrum in order to catch the cry of a wounded child desperate to be heard. Redemption. It is the way of Jesus. And it's the plot twist no one saw coming. And so the gospel, from my point of view, is simply this. Nothing will separate us from the love of Jesus because there is nothing that he cannot redeem. Even my brokenness and yours. And that is really good news. So when does he do that? Well, I think that's what happens when we invite him into our heart. On the night he was betrayed, I think he gave us a picture of that. He took bread and he broke it. 
saying, this is my body given for you. Take and eat. Ingest this into your body of flesh that I may take your brokenness and make you whole. And in the same manner, he took the cup, saying this is the blood, the life of the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. Ingest this. Take it in to your body so that I may fill your emptiness with my life, with my blood. This is the altar call. This is when Jesus says, invite me into your story so that I can write a better ending. And trust me, it's gonna be good. So we invite you to come to the table. Light cups are juice, dark cups are wine. Oh Lord, we stand in awe of the lengths that you will go to prove your love for us, of the heights and the depths that you will descend to come after our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. May you help us to trust you even in times when the story looks bleak. In your name we pray, amen. I think it was in A Midsummer Night's Dream when Shakespeare wrote, for aught that I could ever read, could ever hear by tale or history, the course of love never did run smooth. Everybody knows it. It's, it's almost what defines a story, especially a love story. There will be conflict. Every good writer knows how to write it in, and God does too. But you see, God is good, and he resolves the conflict himself. In fact, we have it written on the wall right over there. I will consign all to disobedience that I may, may have mercy on all. Now, I don't know about you, but if we all know what, how the story is going to end, and if, it, if the story is gonna end that way for everyone, which is what I believe, and all says all. I think God has foreshadowed that. Then what's the point, you, might, you may ask. What's the point of all of this? What, what, what now, what next? Well, I think, I think it's this. I think we help people see Jesus. I think, I think God has given us the privilege of participating in his work of redemption. So for my part, what that looks like for me is I, I tell stories. Stories that are honest about the darkness of the human condition, but stories that are also honest about the redemption of Jesus. In so doing, I hope to encourage others to look for Jesus in their own stories. You might help people see Jesus by counseling or teaching or starting a small group or 
a, a life group or in your the place of work as a, a father or a mother. Maybe even be Jesus in the story of another, like children recovering from the child abuse, like you saw in the film. One of the reasons that we made the film was to encourage you to do just that. So if, if you're moved by that and if, if you want to get involved, you can see me afterwards and I can point you to some resources. So now, may you go in the confidence that there is nothing so broken that Jesus cannot redeem. Even me and even you. Amen.